0: Welcome to the podcast series A Tasteful Story by Le Cordon Bleu Paris. In this podcast, we take a look behind the scenes of Le Cordon Bleu Paris through the testimonies and experiences of its alumni. In this episode, we meet Thomas Graham, an enthusiastic, modest chef with a passion for food products. Follow the quick ascents of this young English American chef who arrived in Paris at the age of 15 to pursue his cooking dreams now chef of the restaurant Mermoz in the 8th arrondissement of paris he tells us what it means to take over a house between tradition and innovation and recalls his beginnings at le cordon bleu paris institute
1: is Graham. I'm 29. Um, I currently live and work in Paris, France, and I am the chef of a restaurant called Le Mermoz in the 8th district. I was born in England, but um, when I was five, my family moved to Los Angeles in uh, California, and uh, that's basically where I grew up. I I was there until I I was old enough to move to France to go to to, do Le Colombre. I was, um, I think, maybe a freshman in high school, like 14, 15. That's when I really started to get into it. But once I was in, I was really in. like <laughs> it, it, I became um, uh, really, very interested, like rather quickly. So I really fell in love with like working in kitchens and like uh, you know like customers, clients, the whole the whole sort of ambience of working in a professional kitchen. I, I actually came to Paris when I was um fifteen to do a, a short one month internship um, in like a little a little restaurant in the seventh. And they helped me to understand that I had a lot of work to do. Um, if I really wanted to do that properly. So I wanted to do a school to kind of get my basics down before I went back into another kitchen. Uh, I graduated in 2012. I wanted to come to do the, um, the institute in Paris because I, uh, I really wanted to have the experience of moving to another country and learning another language. And like internationally speaking, um, French cooking has the reputation of being kind of like the like. The best, basically, and I, that's what that's what that's who I wanted to teach me, basically. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn from French chefs in their academy in Paris. As I was doing the culinary diploma, um, we would always have, um, I believe it was three hours of demonstration for a couple of recipes. I think they would give us like two or three recipes, depending on how complicated they were, per lesson. Um, and then we would watch one of the chefs um, make everything that having to do with that recipe um, in a big sort of classroom with a mirror, a slanted mirror. Over all of his pots and pans, so we could see everything that was going on in all of them, and then afterwards, after we had seen the demo, we would go into a practice kitchen where everybody had a sort of little post, and uh, we, then we would make those recipes with like a chef that was guiding us and everything. I think that we would only um, ever have one of those sort of like uh, classes per day because they would they would end up taking up pretty like most of the day. It was three hours of demo, and then three or four hours of like like practical um, lessons. So that's already a pretty good amount of time, like to be uh, to to be in school. And sometimes it would take a little bit longer if like if we were having trouble with the recipe and whatnot. And at the end of the lessons. Um, regardless, you'd have to do like a plate up of your dish and have it like tasted by the chef and then he would give you his feedback and and all that kind of stuff. The chefs were great. They were particularly um, understanding with uh, me because while I was doing the institute, I was actually uh, working in a bistro at the same time. Um, And I think I was one of the only students that was doing that. But uh, (laughs) every now and again, I would be late to class or kind of have to leave early. And they were like a little little bit understanding um, with me in that respect. But they were great. They were because the the classes size when I was there anyways, weren't huge when you would your like like practical part um if you had a question they could really like come and like help you for a little bit and explain things in french or in english um which was nice because when i was doing the school i had started taking french lessons but my french sucked like it was really not not good enough to really speak with them properly so it was nice i thought i thought they were really really great instructors was I always thought that it was pretty friendly. Uh, I'm not very competitive, though. I think that, that, that there are, whenever you're in like a school environment like that, there will always be people that like want to be the best the, and, and whatnot. But I think it kind of depends what you make of it. There was a little bit of a language barrier with some people because as it's a very international school, there's people from really all over the world. So sometimes it can be a little bit hard, especially if you don't speak English to communicate with everybody but that wasn't like a huge problem i think that if you speak english you'll be just fine um when i was doing the school anyways they um for all of the demos and the practical stuff and i mean kind of like wherever you're at in the school really most of the chefs speak english but then they also have a translator as well just in case there's really like a prop like something that's really specific that like a french chef wouldn't necessarily know how to explain in english and she was there for all of the demos, particularly. Like the, um, during the demos, the chef would explain things in French. He would speak French. So like, he's, not, he's not like speaking English to the, to the class. But then whenever he said something, it would be repeated by the translator afterwards. Well, I went to the old campus and now they have a brand spanking new campus that looks amazing and makes me super jealous whenever I see pictures of it. Um, but the old campus, it was uh, really, it was more rustic, I would say. Some of the um, like materials that we were working with, they, they were a bit older. It was more kind of like copper pots and pans and the like gas stoves. Now I think they're, they're using inductions. I mean... Um, so I think that maybe they have a bit more of that now, but we were learning kind of like real classic French cooking um, with like how to, how to make basically everything with a pot and a pan and that's it. But I think that was actually kind of a good thing in a way. Anyway, like that's, I have definitely kept that with me um, in my in my career and I think that it's been pretty handy to know how to like really just like make it work with a pot and a pan, you know. When I was 15, I did a, a one-month internship, um, but kind of just like to test being in a professional kitchen, like what really happened was um, I, I was getting interested in cooking and my dad was the, kind of noticed this. And um, so he found me this internship at a restaurant in the 7th. It was like, go for a month and see if you really like actually doing it. Right. And I think it was very, very reasonable because working in professional kitchens can be a bit jarring. You know, it's very easy to kind of like idealize that whole world and think that it's all like, you know. Roses and 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 tweezers everywhere, and you know all, t- all that kind of stuff. But after I, d- I did that, I kind of knew more where I was going, and that I really wanted to do that. And that's kind of why I signed up for the school afterwards. I definitely think that they they help you with with work ethic is a very important thing for for professional chefs, anyways. And because the um, the chefs that they have at the uh, at the Columbre have all worked, you know they have lots of experience. That's something that I really think that they pay attention to and they try to make sure that you work clean and are organized and all that kind of stuff. Whether or not you're really good at that by the end depends of how seriously you take that, but um, they'll, they'll give you all of the all of the keys um, to be able to, to go and work in a professional kitchen afterwards anyways. I think that um, they gave me a really good idea of the basics and showed me a lot of things, but... As I've gotten older and I've worked for a lot of uh, like amazing other chefs, I've been more influenced by my practical experience than I was by my studies. But I think that I would have had a much more difficult time of really breaking into working in professional kitchens if I hadn't kind of had the basics down, at least a little bit. I worked for maybe a year in a bistro called um, L'Auberge de champs which is in the 7th. Um, that's where I had been doing my, uh, my sort of like like mock apprenticeship while I was at the school. And I stayed on there uh, and actually like took my first cooking job uh, there after, after school. I stayed there for about a year, but then um, I told my chef that I really wanted to learn more about pastry. So he sent me to um, a friend of his restaurant, which unfortunately is closed now, called um, Le Versance, which is right next to Bois in Paris. And he gave me uh, like a chef de partie patissier position, um, which was a lot of pressure because because as I explained, I didn't really know how to do pastry. I was, like, I hadn't done a pastry diploma. So I, I, like, I was like, ah, that's like really a weak spot for me. I need to learn a little bit more about pastry. But then he kind of like threw me into the deep end of like actually just having to have that position right away. But I stayed there for... Maybe it was, uh, maybe another year. Um, and after that, I met somebody important, Amelie Davas, who I would then work with for, I think, the next six years. She had just opened a restaurant called Haikai on the, the Kejimap, um in the tent. And I worked there uh, for a couple of years, got promoted from, uh, like, Kumi up to chef, And then we closed that restaurant. Once it was closed, I did an internship at Noma in Copenhagen for I forget really how long, but for a while, which was obviously a huge experience that I learned a lot, um, a lot from. And it was actually funny; it kind of made it, it, it while well working there. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the school because it's like a huge, very international space with a lot of uh, like other interns and whatnot. So it, it reminded me uh, uh, of being at Le Cordon Bleu a little bit in that way because like there were so many people speaking so many different languages and all that kind of stuff. After I was done there, I came back to France. And opened Aponem with Amelie, as well, um, which was in the south. That was in uh, Languedoc, in a tiny village called Vaillant. I was there uh, during like all of the um, the work that was being done on the restaurant. We were like we made a little like a little garden to grow herbs and vegetables and all that kind of stuff, and like built the dining room and the kitchen, all that stuff. Um, we opened and uh, we won a Michelin star in the first year. After after she got the star, I'd, I left because I'd worked with her for an awfully long time and I wanted to do some other things. Came back to Paris and um, after about six months, I took the job at the Malmos I went a little bit quick when I was talking about um, what happened after the star with Emily. I came back to Paris and I, I took a job at a bistro called the La Table du at Boulogne. Briefly, I think I was there for maybe a couple of months and just like working as a chef de partie. And then the owner of the Melmos. um messaged me on instagram i think or facebook i can't remember one of those uh saying that he had a proposition to to make and then we got in contact and i did a trial a trial like dinner for him and that was it then he gave me the job i was super stressed out about it of course um and taking uh your first chef's job is scary uh, because it's like, uh, it's the first time that like, you know, if you like, if you make a mistake, it's on you. You know, it's like, it's it's like your name. It's like everybody knows that it's like, that you know, that you're the, you're cooking there and whatnot. Um, whereas like when you're a sous chef or, or something like you, it's, I know it's just different. You don't have the sort of real weight of the responsibility of all of that. So it's scary. And that's also, I'm like, uh, I'm pretty like shy, really. Uh, so I had to change my, my, my kind of like, it's like my personality almost to get to be a little bit more like, directive and, and imposing and like be a little bit more organized to have a big team because now we have a team that i that like i kind of need to really take care of properly you know well i think it, uh, the most important thing for, for me is not really like looking at the resume or anything like that it's more um having them come to the restaurant and see how they are with the team that we already have if it's kind of a good fit and um if they are able to like you know be kind of humble and like want to learn things i don't i don't usually have like really really high expectations right off the bat of anybody like it especially if it's um if it's like an apprentice or an intern particularly but if we're going to hire somebody to be like a chef de partie as long as they're like they are willing to learn and like that's kind of fine you know like whenever you go into a new kitchen anyways even if like if i was to take a a job in like somebody else's kitchen i know how to do things but they have their ways of operating that i would need to learn anyways so i think that's really important when you're hiring people that they have this like kind of flexibility and like not, not being too like stuck in their ways you know what i mean um, that's something that I look for, anyways. It was difficult, it was a bit jarring at first, because um, particularly when, when you're working in, in other kitchens and when you start to kind of, you become a, a good cook. Like a chefs will want to show you how to like cook things when you're Chef de Parti and become really good at that. But then when you pass from like sous chef to chef, now like you're really having to manage people. Whereas like, and nobody really will teach you how to do that. We change the menu every single service at the, at, at the restaurant. So what happens is we get to the restaurant in the morning and uh, we see kind of what we have received from some of our purveyors. We sit down, and we have a cup of coffee, we write the menu, dispatch all of the work to everybody that's working in the kitchen that day, and then we get cracking. But it's all it's 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 new stuff. where we we ex- we experiment all the time. I mean, the produce is always changing, and we're always doing like new techniques and new new plating and all that kind of stuff. And I think that it makes it a fun kitchen to work in as well. So then, after the lunch service is done, um, we do another meeting um, with probably another coffee, and uh, we make the new menu for dinner service at the Miamos. The lunch like the setup of the menu um from lunch service to dinner service is different as well so for lunch it's more um sort of like classic bistro you have um three starters three main courses um like a couple of cheese options and then two desserts but for um dinner it's uh, sharing plates so uh, which we we just we do whatever we want like is we, we make as many things that we can and we do whatever we want and we just put it all on the menu and then people pick what they want basically when i first started i had a little bit of trouble with um portion sizes because because I, i'd come from sort of like a like a gastronomical background um, making portions for a bistro i w- like wasn't natural for me it i always felt like oh, it's too big oh, it's like so much food uh, um because for when you're doing tasting menus it's like very small like kind of like snacks and like plate, you know, it's really like little thing, like little bites, like that. But I got used to that over time, and, and now I think we're kind of good, if not a little generous now. Actually, the difficult thing about about taking over the Miamos was that I was following um, somebody who had done a great job. Manon Floyd is a very talented chef, and um, following after her was was difficult because I mean the bar had been set very high, so I really, I really need to not, you know, I need to not screw up, basically. Um, and at the same time, I didn't really have my own cooking style. It was my first chef's job. So I kind of like I had a bunch of examples, but I hadn't really found what I liked to do yet. I needed to be careful to not be too like wild and still kind of like, you know, the restaurant needed to be full and all that kind of stuff. But I also wanted to be able to, to experiment enough to find my kind of like cooking style, if you will. And I think now, I mean we're a couple of years down the line, I think that We've totally got that um, but the first year or two was i thought that was difficult and I, I felt a lot of pressure from the team and my my, my my boss and just kind of like the foodie world in paris to not fuck up basically <laughs> what advice would i give to students at the cordon bleu hmm. don't give up yeah, move, moving to France and being in a culinary school and, and doing all that kind of stuff can be difficult, but it's worth it. This is a beautiful job, and don't give up. You just gotta you, keep, you gotta keep at it for a while, and then it gets easier.
0: Thank you for listening to a tasteful story, a podcast from Le Cordon Bleu Paris. See you next month for a new episode. Until then, don't hesitate to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes and can continue to listen to the stories of inspiring alumni. For more information on Le Cordon Bleu Paris diplomas, please visit cordonbleu.edu slash paris and all of the Cordon Bleu social media. See you soon.